I'm Alex Rodriguez. And I'm Jason Kelly. From Bloomberg, this is The Deal. Each week, you're here in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. That is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and not uh, as simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many you know, more doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. This episode of 12 Pack Radio is made possible by Nextiva, the official communications partner of the Pac-12, and the best business phone service is chosen by U.S. News and World Report. Nextiva helps companies all over Pac-12 countries stay connected to customers and coworkers using one easy-to-use app. Get Nextiva for your business and get business phone service, video conferencing, team chat, call reporting, and more. Offer a fraction of what you would pay for those services separately. Make great calls every day. Visit nextiva.com slash 12pack to get started. Nextiva.com slash 12 PAC to get started. It's a new day. Yes, it is. For 12 pack radio. Get excited, y'all. Welcome back, everyone, to 12-Pack Radio, your podcast source for Pac-12 football news, the home of the Bader Inc. College Football Statistical Model, and this, which, by the way, had a great week. Which had a great week. This is a Sharp College Football Program podcast. It's a lifestyle, really. This is Brian Conger. Thank you for joining us, and I'm joined, as always, by Mr. Rob Barron from Sharp College Football. What's going on, Rob? Oh, not much. Bader Inc. did have a very good week, almost 67% against the spread. Like, not too shabby. It's been a wild up-and-down year. Uh, it's had, I've had, in fact, the last, like the last two weeks were pretty okay. Kind of middle of the road, hovering right around 50%. Three weeks ago was almost 70%. And this last week was almost, you know, almost 67%. So, uh, it's, I'm, I'm riding the lightning with beta rank. When the basement is 50% and the peaks are 70, hot damn. <laughs> That's pretty good. Right. <laughs> Um, Rob, lots to talk about. This is a Pac-12 podcast. I just want to give this off my chest. Uh, F you, Florida State. Um, everybody, every part <laughs> yes. of that program, everybody that's ever been a fan of that program, you are all dead to me. Um, if you had watched that game, I had uh, Florida State at nine and a half, and that was the worst beat I think I've ever suffered in my entire life. My whole family heard me screaming no every time the ball was lateral backwards, and that was about five times. <laughs> so it's really just a brutal, brutal loss. But this is a Pac-12 podcast, Rob, and let's open with some big news here that came out uh, both from Los Angeles really the first one is just a total bummer for the USC football program um, with uh, their their star wide receiver out for the season yeah I mean this is awful I mean he's been you know he was a shoe in for the Bolitnikoff and you know first team all-american um, <clears throat> you know and, and was playing well enough it's it's hard to see on a team as bad as USC anyone getting any Heisman love but Drake London was having that kind of year just was, you know, really in a lot of ways, everything for this USC offense and, you know, teams had been sort of uh, basically like allowing London to get hit. I mean, realizing that you couldn't, you probably can't even stop him with the double team. And so you just need to cover everyone else and sort of like try to minimize, like, don't, don't let, don't let focusing on Drake London you know, let you lose worse or something like that. And, um, it's just, it's such a bummer for this USC team. And I mean, I think you could argue really, you know, had some effect on this game in the second half too. I noticed that when they played, uh, uh, 
Notre Dame. And I, I was looking over. I'm like, "Where's the safety help?" Like, no, that cat, that cat's on an island. <laughs> He's yeah. Drake. And then I kind of realized, oh, they're just kind of letting him do whatever and just focusing on the rest of the rest of the program, yep. which which uh, which is a disaster, by the way. But it was really smart, and it's just a total bummer. Yeah, because he was a player that I actually in the Pac-12, obviously getting a lot of love, but nationally, I don't think people realized how good he was. And I'm glad that he was at least to, able to show on a national stage against Notre Dame, what he was able to do. So I'm glad that tape is there. I'm sure he's going to make millions of dollars in the NFL and hope he gets well soon. Um, you know, across the freeway, I guess, I don't know. I used to live in Southern California, but I, I avoided Los Angeles, like the plague um, across town at UCLA, you know, Chip Kelly, uh, lost uh, the the UCLA Bruins lost uh, at Utah, and holy Moses, the media came out with the knives today, Rob. It was kind of uh, not necessarily unexpected, but I think that like that pent up frustration um, released itself as if it was at a bar at two a.m. and had a few too many drinks. So that that was kind of my impression of the UCLA uh, media base after that uh, loss to the Utes. Yeah, I mean the 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 gist of the editorial was basically that Chip Kelly is just fleecing UCLA out of sixteen million dollars and not delivering anything for it. <laughs> so that was, I mean, and it's, I mean, if you remember part of like how Chip Kelly ended up as UCLA, like I think he really wanted to go to UCLA, but he was willing to take a little less money because he was getting, you know, he's still getting his NFL buyout paid out to him. So, I mean, you could argue UCLA is even getting him at a, at a discount. Um, but still, I mean, to come out, it was it was a no in uncertain terms after that performance against Utah that, you know, this this UCLA team, you know, in this, you know, in this, you know, for, for where we are in Chip Kelly's tenure, it's just really bad. And, you know, we, a couple of years ago, we sort of talked about, right, like the, you know, the coordinator changes that had to happen in the conference. And the only one that didn't happen was as an RO at UCLA. Like he kept his job. And last year, you know, like in the weird COVID data, it looked like they had improved a little bit, but this year in the real data, it, they, they clearly have not, they sit at 88 in beta rank on defense. They're a terrible, terrible defensive unit. Um, and I don't know. I mean, it's hard to imagine UCLA, um, you know, they're going to have to, their, their athletic department doesn't have a ton of money left in the budget. They're certain there are, they have a loan from main campus. They have to pay back, but I, I could also easily see them coming up with the donor money for a buyout. That's wild. I mean, the program has improved, but it's because the bar was so low with him for the first couple of years. So yeah. I guess, you know, I, I can see where people are coming from when they're looking at that going, hey, this is a disaster. And you kind of look and you say, hey, wait a minute. They have a winning record. They went, you know, three and three during a COVID year. But the defense is bad. The yep. recruiting isn't there. And I mean, it seems like this is the program, which you're seeing in front of you right now if you're a UCLA fan. If you're okay with, you know, six and well, I guess, well, let's see. So they'll probably end up, what, like seven and five? maybe eight and four, not a terrible season, but like, it doesn't seem like there's a wave of talent ready to come to UCLA when you're, I would argue at the better school, <laughs> sorry, USC fans, uh, but Westwood is freaking awesome. And the academics there are excellent and they just can't pull the talent. And it's, uh, I don't know. Well, the, the only thing that made that Oregon game close was Dorian Thompson Robinson. Like everything else was not working. And then you kind of see like where they are and 
I mean, this is no no huge knock on Ethan Garbers, who played reasonably well, you know, against Utah. There's just nothing else that works in this. I mean, they really need DTR in there, not just to throw the ball, but do you need that? You need a QB running threat with how limited the rest of the offense is. I mean, and let's be frank. I mean, we joke that, you know, Chip Kelly only recruit recruits on Tuesdays, but like, holy smoke, like you're at UCLA, like Jim Mora signed some top five classes yeah. at UCLA. Right. I mean, Chip Kelly, I mean, I, I feel like I'd have to go back and look, but I feel like you could make the joke about him maybe not being in the top five in the Pac-12 and not being far off. I think the weird thing is, well, it's not even weird, but if you came from the NFL and you got to get into the muck and just dive into that mud when it comes to recruiting, I mean, it's just got to be exhausting. And I and can. He hated recruiting at Oregon. Oh yeah. I mean, he did not. He did not recruit. I mean, this is not like new for Chip Kelly. Like Chip Kelly, not not putting in his time recruiting is not new. No, and it, it's a pain in the neck, and it's frustrating, and you gotta stroke everybody's evo, e- ego and follow Instagram. Like I remember, there was a couple of years ago where there was a story that he was calling, you know, commits and recruits, and they're like, "What the heck? He's giving me a call." I'm like, answer your damn phone. It's Chip Kelly. That man's a legend, you know, like, yeah. but the time, you know, times have just changed and I don't, I feel like he just doesn't want to, you know, if, if you don't want to do it, go full Herm Edwards minus the violations and hire people that are willing to do it. I think that's the, that's the move. Yeah. I mean, if you're the head coach, you have to be at least willing to be the closer, but you got to hire guys, particularly at your position coaches, you know, level, like your position coach has got to be able to recruit. Yeah. Well, we'll keep an eye on that. It seems like he might get one more year, I think. I think he probably will. Because, like, I mean, if you take a look at their schedule, and it doesn't mean that he deserves it, but his schedule is USC, Cal, and Colorado. Um, and the only reason I know that, by the way, is because I have the USC under seven wins. So I was looking at the last <laughs> games like, no, no. <laughs> so, I mean, UCLA, if DTR comes back, and that's an if, like you expect them to go like two and three out of that, right? Like with yeah. a guaranteed win at Colorado. And then you know, at winning one of, you know, Cal or USC. I would say though, UCLA losing against Colorado is like peak UCLA football. <laughs> there is oh a my world. God, that would be it. That would do it. <laughs> that would be the end. I mean, look, I don't know the word. I don't know where you see it. Like I could see him making the promise to make staff changes and changing it up on the defensive side of the football and getting another year. And, you know, fine. I mean, it's not like UCLA has been a juggernaut. So I can yeah. see them just taking the extra year, seeing what happens, and then moving on. But we'll keep an eye on that. You know, Rob, Remember the conference can't. We cannot afford to have USC and UCLA just like puttering along. You no. know. So just hire UCLA, USC, and let's get this over with. Um, let's. So Rob, when we're taking a look at uh, big picture things, let's just do one since we kind of covered with some news items, and then we'll go into previewing the games and uh, reviewing what happened in week. Not week nine. Oh my gosh, it's freaking crazy. We're already in double digits on week ten here. Um, the biggest thing for me was the the scrappiness of some of the teams that we that we previewed last week and said if Team X is going to cover, then this is what's going to happen. And I think that happened with Cal, with Arizona, with Colorado, and with Washington State in in these games. Where I I, I just think that these teams haven't given up. Which is great yeah. for the conference. It kind of sucks if you're a team like Oregon or that's trying to get to the playoff right now. You got to play teams that actually care, <laughs> which is a problem. Um, but I really like the the fight in all those four teams that I just mentioned. I mean, those teams really try to put things together. 
Um, you know, Arizona was incredibly competitive against USC. Washington State blew the doors off of Arizona State in the first two quarters. Um, and I didn't follow my own advice of taking ASU in the second half. I had to go somewhere and I was like, dang it, because uh, that that defense does wear out a little bit at Washington State, as good as it is in the beginning. Uh, and Cal, I thought Cal, you know, there was a world where they could beat Oregon State and they did. I mean, they just put it together and kind of played as a, a complete unit in that game. I don't know if they'll keep the momentum going, but I think all four teams, you have to, if you're part of those fan bases, you have to be at least a little bit op- optimistic at the end of the year. Yeah, I mean, it certainly feels like there's, I mean, particularly for like <clears throat> Cal, which was looking pretty left for dead, <laughs> you know, um, after taking three straight losses to start out Pac 12 play. Um, you know, getting the win against Colorado was expected, but getting the win against Oregon state was nice. Um, I, I think for me, the big picture thing is that, um, Oregon's offense is starting to round into form a little bit. Um, you know, the defense is still a really big problem. Um, you know, and I, I'm not sure entirely that like the defense is going to get to a place where they're not a liability for this Oregon squad. Um, but the offense is getting to a spot. They're number 13 in beta rank right now. Um, and, and Brown is playing a lot better. I, I do think that they're kind of starting to figure it out. Moorhead's really hitting a stride with these guys. Um, I, I, I like this, where this Oregon offense is going. And if, I mean, if you're a pac 12 fan, you know, like I, Oregon's, I mean, th- this, this game against Utah, when we get to it is, is going to be a bit of a shootout. Yeah. Pretty interesting to see what direction that goes. Uh, Which Rob, you wouldn't have expected, right? Like Oregon, Utah, uh, <laughs> first to 50 wins. <laughs> yeah, exactly. There were some crazy totals. There was like a 36 out there that ended up covering if you took the under. Um, and of course, I took Northwestern and uh, Minnesota. And and of course, I lost that under. It was a rough week for me last week, not going to lie. With <laughs> um, the Pac-12, they did okay. Some of the outside games, not so much. Uh, Rob, one, one big takeaway, you know, you want to throw here before we get to the other games? No, that was it. That was my big takeaway was the, the, the Oregon offense kind of like uh, hitting its stride a little bit. Okay. Yeah, there we go. Um, kind of fun to watch that. All right. So we're going to preview every week game of week 10. We're going to review all the games of week nine and we'll do it right after this. I'm Alex Rodriguez and I'm Jason Kelly from Bloomberg. This is the deal. Each week you'll hear us in conversation with business icons. This show will explore deal-making across sports, media, and entertainment. And that is a harsh lesson in business. Sports is and, not as um, simple you know, I, as bringing a bunch of big names together. I didn't want to do another stomp you out speech. It opened so, up so many more know, doors. The show is called The, the deal. deal. Listen to The Deal. Listen to The Deal on Spotify. William Shatner? You want it? Actual gambling lines? You got it. Nice. You want it? Baby, just bust a move. Okay. All right, we're back. We're talking Pac-12 football. Week 10, Rob. It's a lot of weeks already. It feels like it feels like it's week 6. <laughs> I don't know why. Does it feel like a short it's been a short season to you? I mean, it does it away. Um you know, I mean, I I, I got to say though like it's like it's sort of all blending together like you hit a point where it's like, man, like there it does feel like uh it does feel like it's like I haven't seen enough Pac-12 football yet, right, for it to be week 10. Yeah. Normally, too, I'm, I'm riding high on football, and I'm down like five units when I'm betting, which is it feels like, which isn't really that many, much, but I feel 
I feel naked right now, right? It's usually when I'm, I've hit my stride. <laughs> Maybe that's why it feels like it's week six right now. It's been uh, it's been a little bit difficult heading through all this stuff. But um, Rob, let's where, where do you want to start? I mean, it's an interesting slate that we have in front of us. Some really key games. Uh, what's going to tickle your fancy? Uh, you know the game that I think the game that really interests me is this USC Arizona State game. In a lot of ways. Yeah, I mean ASU. Well, let's just get into that game. Just totally fell right on their face against the Washington State team that by all measures should have lost. Not 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 except on the field. <laughs> so the most important measure on the field. I mean, they were just awesome. And but they lose their coach. We talked about this on the podcast. I took Washington State, but I did it begrudgingly because they I ended up betting this game because I thought I just thought 15 was too much. But I didn't think they were going to win. I just and then you take a look. This was Washington State's ninth game in a row without a bye. Like I mean, there's just all these weird factors. It was at ASU. Um, ASU, you would think, got a wake up call from the previous week, and they just come out and just let Washington State walk all over them at the beginning of that game. 14 points in the first quarter, 14 points in the second quarter. Uh, Delora was moving. They were able to run the ball. Like Borgie got 67, McIntosh got 68. Um, Man, what were your takeaways from this game? Because if you're an Arizona State fan, I mean, you basically just lost the South. Yeah, I mean, ASU is well and good out of it, right? I mean, Utah, um, you know, effectively has, what is it, like a three-game lead on them right now? I mean, <laughs> it, is, it is it is quite a bit back for, for uh, Arizona State. I mean, the, one of the main takeaways that I think I have here for them is the, uh, the I mean, you have to start out really with the turnovers. I mean, they had five turnovers in this game. Um, some of those were just, really bad luck. You lose three fumbles. That stinks. Um, but I mean, they did get pressure on Daniels. You know, some of his throws were pretty bad in this game. He looked, he certainly looked off, but even if you look at it and say like, I mean, Oh, it was, it was just the turnovers. I mean, the yards were really close in this game, 400 for, for Washington state, 406 for ASU. Um, you know, Washington state was, you know, they ran the ball pretty well here in this game, getting 166 on the ground. Um, I think that's one thing that Dickert's going to emphasize. He talked about this week, emphasizing more is the run and the run and shoot. Um, seems like a little bit smarter than Nick Rolovich about who he's got in the backfield (laughs) and they, uh, they threw the ball pretty well too. I mean, Delora had a pretty good game. Um, I just, I, I think for, if you're ASU and I also want to say, like, I, I think, I think people were a little harsh. I mean, I like Doug Haler had a really strong critical article editorial up in the athletic going after the coaching staff at ASU. I mean, I, I, I thought ASU actually fought pretty hard to try to come back in this game. And I don't, it didn't feel to me that they quit. I mean, you score 14 in the fourth. It didn't feel to me like they just gave up. Yeah. One um, of those was at the back. I, think they got, I thought they got behind really bad, but you know, like, I don't think it, I didn't feel to be like ASU gave up, but like it did feel like that they were really, on. they did feel really flat. And I, I don't think that's wrong. I mean, I think this ASU team coming off a of bye felt really flat. Yeah. It, it was pretty impressive. What, Washington State was able to do and on the ground because that was the one area where if I thought there was a weakness in the offense I actually thought it was on the ground they've been fine they haven't been on it's been really Delora that's been moving the offense and I, I get that the number I would have to go back and look at the split but just watching the games 
you know, it's like five yards, five yards, five yards, five yards, you know, like uh, four yards. Yeah. It's not, it's not an explosive run game. I, that's, I guess that's what I'm trying to say. And, um, and going up against ASU's run defense, I mean, that was a big concern. Can they actually move the ball against them? And they did, boy, boy yeah. they did. Um, so if you can get both of those parts together, like you're saying, Rob, I mean, Washington state looks like they're, they look like a pretty good team right now. looks like they're going to be able to, to make some noise at the back half of the season. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, and the defense has improved. They're particularly good against the pass. And I think they get, they do a really good job of generating pressure. Um, you know, this Washington state squad, they've, I mean, they've got their work cut out for them, you know, their next game, they get, you know, they get Oregon, um, after a bye, um, but then they get Arizona, you know, a game that you feel like you can put in your back pocket, you know, that gets them to bowl eligibility. And frankly, I mean, I think they've got a good shot against Washington, the way yeah. Washington's playing. So. Oh, absolutely. They, that Apple cup is going to be musty TV for me. Um, they finally don't have Mike Lee. That was like that, around. like that would just i mean we'll get to it because like jimmy lake stuck his foot in a little bit too like with this oregon game coming up but like man like if they like if if they were to end the streak this year against like oh that that seat for jimmy lake would get roasting hot oh absolutely uh and then speaking of like teams that just have kind of not performed you know usc 41 arizona 34 I mean, USC was in control, so I, I don't want to paint a picture that wasn't accurate. USC yeah. was in control of this game, but they're off. They're just, their defense is bad. Arizona was able to to keep this game close. Now, one of yep. one of the touchdowns they scored were a pick six. I loved when Jackson Dart went, and I'm like, hooray! <laughs> like going yeah. back and forth between quarterbacks, I just think is stupid. Like if you're gonna, right. you, you know, if you want to boost, I understand, but. Um, it wasn't like Slovis was awful. It was the defense that was the problem in this game. And, and they were just allowing Arizona to run the ball and pass the ball and, and just kind of keep the game close. But to USC's credit, I mean, there was never a point in this game, even when Arizona came within a possession where I was like, yeah, oh, they, they really have a chance here. It was more, eh, you know, they're, they're good for them. You know, they covered and <laughs> it was kind of, that's all I was looking for. I, I had Arizona in this game. I pulled the trigger when it was at 21 and a half, which I thought was kind of absurd for any team going up against USC's defense. And now here, USC has to go up against Arizona State. Uh, yeah. And, uh, oh, I, you know, any any comments on the USC-Arizona game before we preview next week? I mean, it was. I mean, it, I, mean I thought Arizona played it closer than I was expecting. And I think Will Plummer played a lot better yeah. than I was expecting. I mean, I thought he got unfair criticism from some Arizona writers after the Washington game where they're like, he wasn't throwing the ball downfield. I'm like, do you guys know what Washington's good at? Like, they're really good at defending the pass. So like maybe pay attention. Um, but the, you know, coming into this game, like, you know, he really needed to show that he could air it out because this USC secondary stinks. Um, and he did, I mean, he did a really good job. And, you know, for the most part, I mean, you also got to call out like he was not like a monster running the football. He only put up 31 yards. Of course, I'm sure there's some sack in there as well. But like he added enough of a run threat, which was something that sort of Jordan McLeod needed, right? Like he he's able to buy time against the pass rush in a way that's very necessary for this Arizona offense. Um, and then I like I thought and I, you know, like I think the other takeaway here is like, man, Arizona's run defense is really bad because like USC ran the ball all over him. And I can't remember the last time I saw USC run the ball all over 
anyone. Oh, yeah. And uh, Deontay Ingram had like three big runs called back because of penalties. <laughs> like he should have had 200 plus yards in this game. And the poor he had guy. 204 yards. Oh, he did. He would have been a he lot more. He could have 300 yards in this game. Like that. <laughs> like he must have been exhausted. And one more, like, and you know, bringing it back to USC as we preview this game, I think, you know, it's interesting looking at the box score here. And I watched this whole game. So it wasn't like I'm, I'm stat counting. But even when you look at the box score, Look at the adjustments, right? So USC scores 35 points in the first half, six in the second half. Arizona scores 14 in the first half and then 20 in the second half. Like th- this USC team, I think they're in real trouble against ASU. Yep. I know ASU dropped the ball. Um, I am a little bit worried about ASU also. I, I don't know if like we-, we talked about the four teams that are still fighting. Let's see if ASU is the fifth here because what they did against Washington State, I know you mentioned like they did try to claw back in the second half um, because that deficit was really bad. But if the coaching staff still has this team together, there's a chance they just stomp USC because yeah, I, I really don't feel like USC. I mean, like it's the same stuff, right? Like it's bad discipline, bad defense. Um, but <laughs> they they do always play USC tough. I mean, I think that's true. And it's certainly true. Like, do you expect the coaching staff to have the guy's attention after this week? Um, you know, it opened, I think, at ASU as a 10-point favorite. Batering got it at a touchdown. I think it's come down a little bit. I think it's around eight or something. now. Eight and a half. Eight and a half. Which, I mean, without Drake London, I'm inclined to take. Yeah. Like I'm inclined to lay the points, you know, cause like I do expect the Sun Devils to show up. I think without Drake London, I think that does allow you to play this USC offense a little more straight up. Their defense is awful. Just awful. 92 in beta rank, 74 in effective rush, 107 in effective pass. You know, the Sun Devils offense is still decent for, I mean, they're middle of the road power five offense, 36 in beta rank. 31 running the ball, 48 throwing the ball, you know, and their, their defense is okay too. 41 overall, um, where they struggle is drive efficiency. They let teams put together long drives to put up points. Um, USC is, is that's where they struggled. Actually, they're, they're far more explosive offense and I don't expect them to be able to come in and run the ball well here. Um, so I don't expect like a really big game from Ingram. Um, and the one, the one thing that like gives me a little pause is if like USC is able to put together a big special teams gain because ASU with Turk gone really stinks in special teams. Hmm. They're at 93 in special teams right now this season. But I think overall, like I, with the model doesn't see the injury to London. I, I like, I like ASU, uh, to, to, to cover that eight and a half. Yeah, me too. I, this is more a pick against ASU's defense. Because I think AS, I'm sorry, against USC's defense, because I think yeah. ASU has the the tools to be able to move the ball. Like they're going to put up points. Um, I'm curious to see. I mean, I like ASU secondary. I'm curious to see Jack Jones against his old team. That'll be fun. Uh, Chase yeah. Lucas is back, so I just think it's it sounds bizarre, but I just don't trust any of the other wide receivers on this USC team. I really like, which is bizarre because you had Gary Bryant Jr., who's interesting. Like he's an interesting piece. But um, the the kid from Memphis has been Taj Washington is okay. The yeah. the transfer from Colorado like has basically not shown up. I mean he's been in the game. He's somewhere. Else. He transferred to USC to I don't know get some drink some Gatorade. 
Yeah, you know, take in the sights of Los Angeles. So <laughs> I'm I'm with you. I I I had this game at ten, and that was before I knew London was out for the season. So I'll I'll take ASU as well. I think that there's a chance that they just stomp all over USC um, and their defense, and and I just trust ASU's defense to show up enough to stop USC from putting up 35 or whatever. So um, it's a lot of points for an ASU team. You know, we've always been talking about that, but. In this case, I will lay them, and uh, we'll move on to the next game here. Where do you want to go? Uh, let's do Utah-Stanford. Friggin' Stanford. Congratulations, Washington, <laughs> by the way. Like, <laughs> you did it. <laughs> our, so our friends at the dog fight, I, I, felt a little, uh, I, I felt a little bad about it afterwards. But it was like 1130 at night, and they had tweeted out, like, we did something that Chip Kelly couldn't do and Oregon couldn't do, which is beat Stanford on the road. I'm like, well, isn't that cute? Like, good job. <laughs> Are you, we yeah. beat Stanford on the road. Like, congratulations, you beat this trash Stanford team on the farm. Um, but, but like in all seriousness, like getting that monkey off their back was really important. I liked the play call at the end when they actually threw the ball. I thought that was important. And um, and they when I just thought that Jimmy Lake was going to run the ball three times in a row, um, so that was kind of cool. But so Stanford and Utah. Uh, let, let's talk more about the Stanford game. I mean, holy Moses. I, I know that Washington's defense is good, but 13 points. Yeah. This is just gross. But he had two picks and yeah. like they didn't, they didn't run the ball as effectively as you really need to against Washington. Right. And, and we kind I mean, of, we expected that kind of, right. We've just figured that they're not good at yeah. it. Washington isn't good at stopping it. So I don't think we were expecting much but they delivered they delivered our expectations well <laughs> they, they, man, they even managed to underwhelm against washington's <laughs> terrible run defense um but that left them with you know what is a decent ish passing attack but throwing into the the teeth of you know really still i think the best pass defense in the pac 12 and that's not that's not a recipe for success right like you they really really hurt themselves in this um, and I just, I, I just, I was, I was surprised that they, they were not able to at least stick to it or try to figure it out, um, a little bit better. And there, I mean, Stanford has a, their defense is, is pretty bad. They're at number 91, an effective rush 21, an effective pass though. Like they have a decent, they're, they're actually a little bit like Washington. The difference is, is Washington was able to run the football all over them. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, just like they didn't ask Dylan Morris to do a lot in this game. Um, and that, I mean, like, I just, I, I, I mean, Utah, I just, I think even Utah's reworked offensive line, which just knocked over, knocked around UCLA it's probably going to have a field day against the Stanford, you know, run defense. Um, and I'm not sold on, I mean, Utah, this isn't a vintage Utah defense, but I'm not sold on Stanford and Tanner McKee against this, against this Utah defense. Like, I think this could be trouble Their Their offense is all the way down at 70 and beta rank. Um, they're a decent passing attack 33 overall, but that's, that's not going to get it done. The thing that makes me worried about this game is and, and we'll talk about Utah's let's let's talk about Utah's win here real fast. I mean, they beat UCLA. We talked about Chip Kelly being in trouble. He's in trouble because of the performance they had at Utah. Now, granted, it was Ethan Garbers who didn't play like you mentioned, Rob, right? 265, two touchdowns and a pick. Charbonnet just seemed frustrated, you know, trying to run the ball. And he's good. He had that one touchdown run, really. Yep, there he is. But you could just tell you could see on his face some frustration trying to move the ball. 
um, which is a testament to Utah's defense. And, you know, Cam Rising did everything that he needed to, 179 and a touchdown. And holy Moses, though, on the ground, Utah just was able to take care of business, like you said. And that makes me really worried about their performance against Stanford. If I'm a, if I'm a Stanford fan, right? Like Utah just showed that they can shove that ball down your throat. And by the way, they can pass now. One of the things that makes me nervous, though, is just um, just like a letdown game for Utah. Yeah. Two big games in a row where they've been able to take care of business. Now they got to go on the on the road to a sleepy farm. Seven point game. I had this at ten. So I'm going to take the Utes, but I am a little worried about whether they show up in, uh, you know, in fullness here because there's, it's possible that they just kind of sputter finally after like two really emotionally charged games. Yeah, I know. I, I, I'm with you. I hear you there. Bader and Scott out of 10. I just, I, I think the Stanford, I think the Stanford defense is absolutely bad enough that, (laughs) that they're in and rising presents, you know, trouble with his legs too. And I, I think that's the difference. I think, I think the Utes win by two possessions and I, I think they cover. Yeah. It's a bummer. I mean, like Stanford really started out hot and the, I mean, this was, this was why their season win total was four because on the back half of their schedule, they just got some tough games that aren't great matchups for them. Washington was one of them. You know, I picked Stanford just because Washington had a Stanford problem <laughs> and then when they were close enough and they're at home, I laid the two uh, to my detriment, but you know, the Utes are also similar where they're, where's their past defense? Uh, Utah's pass defense. So they, they don't have a big run pass, but they're at 33 and effective rush 37 and effective pass. Yeah. I mean, there, this is like I said, like this is not a vintage Utah defense. I don't think they're great along the defensive line. It's going to like, as we talked about, I mean, all those, is it years ago with, uh, Max was the, the Utah's a green dog team. Um, you know, like it's, they're going to need to get their blitzers home, uh, to help augment the pass rush. But I just, I, I don't, I don't buy this. Oh man. Like it's, it's so funny. Like you, it's like you were just alluding to like Stanford, like you remember after they beat Oregon and they're sitting at three and two and everybody's like, Oh man, that was season win total. Har, 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 har. Oh, me <laughs> like, too. Oh, I did in all caps. <laughs> I know. And now all of a sudden you're looking at it and you're like, it Ooh out. man, like Utah's a loss probably unless Utah turns it over twice. Oregon state's a real tough game. Cal maybe, but Notre Dame, no. You know? <laughs> yeah. Oh no. Oh God, no. All right. You know, I don't feel great about laying the seven, but I'll lay the seven. I had this in double digits, and I'm not, and I'm not getting that double digits, so I'll, I'll take the points. Um, yeah. Or I'm sorry, I'll lay the points. So you taking the Utes as well? I'm taking the Utes. Yep. Okay. I went three and three on the week last week, which is a bummer. There's a couple, couple of these games here that didn't hit. Uh, actually, let's let's go to the next three and let's do it right after this. All right, we're back. Got three more games to cover here, Rob. In a in a and we haven't talked about probably the most exciting one. Um, no, we have. You want where do you want to go? You want to do that one? <laughs> Let's <laughs> do it. Let's do Oregon Washington. Okay. This line dropped from seven to seven and a half. Oregon is a six and a half. I'm sorry, uh, from seven to six and a half. So Oregon is a six and a half point favorite on the road against Washington. These spreads, Rob. Right, like. I know, I know Washington, Washington's going to come to play. I think that's the thing to keep in mind in this game. Um, that defense is going to be fired up. I think the run defense is going to play as, as well as you will see them play this year. This is their Super Bowl, but they can't move the football. 
Yeah. I mean, so let's be clear. I mean, like Oregon's defense stinks. Yeah. Right. Like there's, there is no two ways about it. Like this Oregon defense, despite all the recruiting, despite bringing in uh DeReuter, like this is a re- or DeReuter, this is a really bad defense. There, um, there are injuries, especially the inside linebacker. There's a lot of injuries there. And I think the corners are yeah. pretty banged up, but, but they're at 62. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, now there's some things that they do pretty well. And that is that they're, they're pretty good at explosive drives at 20 there. Um, but where they struggle is drive efficiency. I mean, you can just, you can dink and dunk and get down the field and put up points against this Oregon defense. Like they definitely do a good job of limiting what you're getting per play, but your ability to string together plays is, is absolutely there against this team. You know, even as the offense has put it together a little bit now, Washington's offense grades out at 81 overall. Now they're a little better, you know, throwing the ball at, at 59 than they are running the ball at 92. But I mean, I, I think Washington's offense is going to be able to put up some points in this game. What, what I think is real trouble is that Washington's defense is at 19, right? They're at three in effective pass. They're at 70 in effective rush. So this Oregon team is at 13 on in beta rank on offense. They're at 14 in effective rush, 36 in effective pass. I just think they're going to be run, able to run the football, right? I mean, I think I think you think Washington shows up, right? I mean, or but you also have to expect like I mean, Oregon's going to show up too. I mean, and and Jimmy Lake managed to insult them all by calling them stupid today. What did he, so I missed that? What did he say? <laughs> he said that. Um, he doesn't consider Oregon a recruiting rival because of their lack of acad- academic prowess and Get that they here. don't recruit the same players. Um, and that he only considers Washington's recruiting rivals to be um, USC and Stanford and Notre Dame. Is Washington that good of a school? <laughs> I mean, Washington's a good school, but like, I mean, I, and I want to be clear here. I mean, that. Like outside, I mean, there are only three schools in the Pac-12 who are not in the Association of American Universities um, or not AAE schools, and that's Oregon State, Arizona State, and Washington State. Everybody else is in the highly select club of top research universities in North America, right? Like, and it is a small club, and they will kick you out if you don't pull your weight. Like Nebraska and Syracuse got kicked out for not keeping up research standards and uh, funding. So I just like, it is, <laughs> it is, it is an astonishing, I mean, there's a lot of academic snobbery with Washington, but like, that was an astonishing thing to say. Um, because it's not as if like Washington's players are like mechanical and I mean, it's a big state school, even if it is a good, very good public research university. I mean, a lot of the, the football players aren't exactly majoring in, you know, like, you know, chemistry or something like that. Right. Like, yeah, your whole life is football. You, you could right. be, I mean, let's not kid ourselves, yeah. right? Like, I mean, it's not, I mean, you're not Stanford and you, you're just full not, right? Like, you're not like Toby Gerhardt majoring in mechanical engineering and playing football. Like, that is not who you are. <laughs> so don't, 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 don't put out like, but I mean, when you're getting your butt handed to you by Mario Cristobal and recruiting, that's a heck of a thing to say to cover your, like, as a, a, an attempt to cover your butt. Yeah, that is crazy. Um, you know, t- talking about their game against Stanford. <sighs> I mean, whatever, right? Like, I mean, again, good win, getting that monkey off the back. Right. 146 yards through the air. They got about 200 on the ground. It took them, 
almost 40 tries to do it, but they got there. I, there was, I watched this whole game. I was not impressed. Um, I was more, I was more in awe of the checkers match going on between the two <laughs> coaches than the actual football being played on the field. Yeah. I, I mean, it was just like, and, and I had Stanford minus two. And one of the things that I, that I just forgot uh, and I thought they'd just get over it because they just handled Washington with ease um, early and often is you kind of have to give three points to you have like if, if the spreads two, it's really five because Shaw is going to make some decisions that just um, defy um, defy the laws of, of um, everything, <laughs> you know, where it's like, yeah. dang it. I, you know, I really need those three points. Or I really need you to go for it in this area. And he just doesn't. Uh, and him going back and forth with Jimmy Lake, and you're just like, oh my gosh, this is so stupid uh, watching the yeah. game. And that kind of was my impression of it. Uh, but still, they were able to to take care of business. I liked the fact that they went through the air when the game was on the line. So so really props to them on that. But I mean, I really want to take Washington in this game. I do. I think they're going to show up. I think the defense is going to show up at a level that they haven't before. It's at home you can move the ball against Oregon. I just don't think they have it. Um, I think this team sucks and, uh, and, and maybe they, they show up at a, at a high level, but if I'm getting, if you're going to give me the hook, right? Six and a half, it's not seven. God, I've been, I took three favorites right now, Rob. I might do this, do it again. Cause I just don't, Dude, I don't trust Arizona them. ran for 200 yards against Washington. Oregon is going to run the football against this Washington defense, right? Like Stanford couldn't do it. Like, I'm sorry, Stanford, this is where you found yourself, but Oregon's going to run the football. I have absolute faith that that's going to happen. Joe Moorhead is no dummy. Like Brown is mobile too. That is going to cause Washington problems. Um, You know, if, if Oregon's smart, they have a, you know, they've, they run the ball two thirds of the time. They, they only throw it a third of the time. Um, you know, like I just, I, I think, I think Oregon has to turn the ball over two times to lose. Brown might. <laughs> Can't he believe might, I'm saying that. But he's been playing pretty well lately. Yeah. They're win. So talking about Oregon's win over the Buffs. So 52 to 29. This game is closer than it looks. Uh, you know, Colorado scored like 15 yeah. points in the, at the end. Um, and <laughs> I didn't bet this game, but I picked the 24 and, you know, Oregon covered by 20 three so i was i was watching the game with like intense <laughs> competitiveness at the end um and it, you can kind of just see you know colorado is moving the ball down the field which was which was good right they they still did score 14 points in the second half uh, or in the first right. half um and then right. 15 in the second so you again you can move the ball against this team but i do think that oregon kind of took its foot off the gas in the second half and yeah. and i would have too if i were them i mean we had ty thompson sighting yeah, absolutely. I mean, not a I, good one, I by think, the way. <laughs> yeah, do. <laughs> no. uh, but I mean, I think I mean Brown had himself a pretty good game. You know, he had himself a very good game. Let's be honest. Um, they were able they were able to run the football really well. Um, you know, like the offense really does look like they're kind of putting it together. I mean, like the the trouble with Oregon most of the year, right, is they have they've allowed teams to hang around. They've allowed bad teams to hang with them. The offense hasn't put it together. The defense isn't good. Um, and that leaves them, you know, now, like, I mean, I think with this, 
you know, like a, you know, this Colorado game, they were for the most part really able to put it together. And like, I think you're right. Like a lot, I mean, you can, you know, take, you know, a lot of it was garbage time, you know, at the end of the, at the end of the second half. So this, this was a good, this was a good win for them, you know, absolutely. And I mean, if you're a Colorado fan, I mean, take away some positives that you were able to move the ball, you know? Yeah. You know, speaking of, uh, Colorado, you're taking the Ducks? I'm taking the Ducks. Okay. Colorado has a game against Oregon State. They're at home, and they're 10.5-point 10 dogs. Man, Oregon State. And well, I guess we should talk. Well, we talked about Colorado's per- performance against yeah, we Oregon. Yeah, we're good. Um, Oregon State just let that game get out of hand early. And, Colorado, uh, and Cal came to play, and Cal was able to move the ball. I mean, it's a good reminder, right? Oregon State is fine they're not great they're a fine program they're going to win some games they're well coached but there's still some flaws and we saw those against cal who was just able to move the ball however they kind of wanted against this uh now now, to oregon state's credit they were able to claw back into this game and then there was that punt block (laughs) and and i had oregon state and i'm like oh no that's that's it that's the game and it was i mean cal was able to take advantage and then they i think they scored another touchdown after that so you could tell that Oregon State came in shell shocked, right? Cal just hit him in the mouth immediately, and yeah. they were just trying to claw back. In the second half, they really kind of got their their pieces together, but Cal was still able to score. I mean, they, Cal scored was a twenty two points in the second half against them, and that was when Oregon State really finally started to kind of pick up the pieces. So, yeah, uh, all that to say is that look, Oregon State's offense is good, um, right? Their defense is not good. Uh, I kind of want to take Colorado. Um, I know it's weird, but I just don't trust Oregon State's defense. And I no, think, their defense has been terrible all th- season. And Colorado, like the offense is bad. I mean, offense is atrocious, but there has been some signs of life. Um, where if they're at home at altitude, I think I think they might. I think that team is still there. You know. I kind of thought they might have given up and I thought that what they did against Oregon was enough for me to think that, I mean, 10 and a half points is, um, that's a lot. Yeah. Here's the thing on this game. And that is that, you know, Oregon state, I think you have to start out this Cal game with the fact that uh, Oregon state was minus three on turnovers. Right. Yeah. And I don't want to take away from Cal's performance because what Cal did well in this game, and I would not have believed this at the beginning of the year had you told me they did a good job limiting Oregon State's rushing attack, right? Like they held B.J. Baylor at a 3.2 on 13 carries. Like they really made him work for it. Yeah, yeah. Um, And then Nolan wasn't great, right? I mean, he was 15 to 26, two picks. I do not think Colorado can do that, (laughs) right? Like I just, I don't think Oregon state turns the ball over three times. I don't think Oregon state struggles to run the football against Colorado. Um, I think Oregon state comes into this game sort of like really charged up and I, I think they get it done. Um, And now I do think, I mean, I think their defense is bad and I think Colorado is going to put up maybe 20 points, but I think the bees can get to 40. Yeah, it's, it's, po- damn, it's possible. I also think that Colorado is going to be able to move the ball a decent amount. 
I so I'll take the points, but I also wouldn't take the points until game time because I think this pops up to twelve um, with with uh, Colorado. I just think there's a little bit of life left in them, and I feel I feel icky <laughs> picking them, but. I don't know. Like this, this. Uh, well, what do the numbers say? Like, cause I feel like, and I, I, I brought this up multiple times on the podcast, but it seems like because the offense is bad, the defense is bad. I think there for are who? players for Colorado? for Colorado. Yeah. No, no, their defense is really bad. Hmm. Like that's that's <laughs> that is not how it works. <laughs> like beta rank does not like you don't get knocked because like you're all like your other unit is also bad. There are plenty of teams that have terrible units, like say Oregon State like that is all they're also bad right like and so colorado's defense is at 94 they are at and here's this this is it like oregon state is number three in effective rush colorado is number 107 in effective rush uh, like they cannot like they're 56 in effective pass oregon state is gonna throw 10 passes in this game i'm gonna do it anyway I'm All right, pull anyway. the trigger. I mean, now that Oregon State's got a huge special teams advantage. They're at 26 in special teams. Colorado's at 86. I mean, like, Oregon State's defense is terrible. They're at 89 overall. Yeah. They're 96 in effective pass, 77 in effective rush. Colorado's at one. I mean, they're, we all know how bad their offense has been. But I just I think that in this game, Colorado's going to have to go the length of the field repeatedly against this Oregon State offense or defense. Yeah. I'm going to do it. I'm going to take the 10 and a half. I don't feel great about it, but at some point, I mean, this is like a, I just don't like, I don't think Oregon state, I think Oregon state's fine. Um, I think they nailed this one down to get to bowl eligibility for Jonathan Smith. Yeah, that'd be good. That'd be good. They're going to be wheezing though. Cause they're at like 7,000 feet in the air. So uh, <laughs> good luck, BJ Baylor. I, I, I've watched a lot of this Oregon state team. They are hit and miss. Like, you know, and everybody, everybody yeah. that announces the game, all oh, this running attack and, and it is, it is a good running attack. I've also seen BJ Baylor do jack crap in some of these games. No, no. I mean, like there's, some, I mean, it is, I mean, they're not like, they're not unstoppable, right? Like, I mean, Cal definitely slowed him down. Washington state definitely slowed him down and got him enough. If you force them into a position where they can't run the football, Nolan can be turnover prone. Right. Um, I just I I don't think Colorado's a team to do it. Yeah, I had this game at nine and a half. Um, I'm getting ten and a half. I think it'll go up to twelve. Um, so you're Beta taking. Rank's got it at twenty, and I'm taking Beta Rank on this one in particular because of the big disparity in the rushing. Yeah, I think that I think that could be a big problem. Uh, all right, last game here. Cal on the road at Arizona. Cal is a twelve point favorite, coming off a big win against Oregon State. I think 12 is too much. No, <laughs> you know, it's funny. It's like, I'm totally with you because beta rank does not, I don't beta rank has it at 18, but I don't think beta ranks really taken into the fact that like, we will never see Grunner Cruz again. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, that's like, and it just like, I, I say this as like, I don't know what Jed fish was thinking running Gunner Cruz out there again. Like, don't get me wrong. Will Plummer looked terrible against Northern Arizona, but like, Everything we saw from Gunnar Cruz was hideous. Yeah, no, it, it was it was awful. Plummer played really well. Now again, it was a bad defense, but so is Cal. Cal has a bad defense, and Cal is an okay defense. That is something that I was not expecting to say this year. Okay, they have 
ground it into form a little bit. A little bit. This isn't a good defense. Um, but they're currently sitting, I mean, they're at 24 in beta rank right now. Um, they're particularly good at forcing turnovers and three and outs, their negative drives number. And they're better against the run than they are against the pass, which is I was completely not expecting coming in. But I, I still think this Arizona offense is enough to cause them trouble, particularly with because they have struggled with mobile quarterbacks um, in the running game in adding to the running game, like with Oregon and uh, TCU. And I think Plummer is mobile enough to cause them some issues. Yeah. I mean, I think Arizona could win this game, which sounds like I wouldn't bet it, but this is the one time, like I think both, well, I put it this way. Both of these teams are going to show up and credit to yeah. Cal who really showed up against Oregon state. Um, Garber's had an excellent game, probably one of the best in the pac 12 um, that he's had this year, Two fifty-eight, three touchdowns, no picks. They were able to run the ball against Oregon state. I think Cal's going to be able to put up points. I mean, the, the offense that they were able to show against Oregon state, like Arizona's defense isn't that, that much worse or what that it's not, it's not better than Oregon state. Um, it's pretty far down there. So I think Cal can score. I just think Arizona and the injuries can score. on and the injuries on Arizona's defensive line. Yeah. Are starting to pile up, particularly in the middle, uh, in the nose. Um, you know, there's a potential that like they might have to go with Aaron Blackwell, who we haven't seen at all this season. Oh yeah. Um, you know, and it's like I just I, I, I do think Arizona started to find themselves defensively like in a little bit of trouble. But I mean Cal's offense isn't good. They're at sixty seven overall in beta rank. Um, you know, they don't have any real big run pass, but Arizona's defense is at 97. So you, you definitely expect Cal to be able to move the ball and put up points. This is going to be a, a redux of that Oregon state game. But I think Arizona, I do think, I mean, if Will Plummer is getting more comfortable, I just, I don't think we have a really good read on where this offense is right now. I mean, we've seen that like he's the third freaking quarterback. <laughs> Game playing this year, right? Like I just, I think this offense is better than what we've seen. I think, and I think they can. I think Plumber can throw the ball pretty effectively against them. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm in, like, I'm in. I don't, th- I don't, I wouldn't bet on Arizona to win, but I do think they can cover. Yeah, with, I think twelve is too much. With three turnovers, Cal scored fifty in a pump block. Yeah. Um, or not fifty. Uh, about about thirty nine. They scored thirty nine on Oregon State. I think on Arizona without let, let's say Plumber Plumber's going to throw at least a pick. I mean that's that's likely. Um, but if Arizona doesn't turn the ball over, I think Cal what thirty they can score thirty. Yeah, I mean it's possible that Arizona. I mean I I think Arizona is going to keep it close enough to cover. Um, if they just go on fire, then it's and just are able to move the ball down the field. It's at home. I think this team is still is still playing hard. And that's what's amazing. Yeah. Right. Like for all the negative noise outside, like fish really still has the locker room. Yeah. And I think Wilcox um, does too. Yeah. Oh yeah, absolutely. Um, I'll take, I'll take the 12. Um, I thought that they, that Arizona played fairly well against USC and were just, just kept scrapping and kept moving and, and really just did what they could to at least stay in that game. Um, I think they see this as the one chance for them to, you know, to get a win. So I think they come out. Yeah pretty pretty fired up for this game and it wouldn't it, it genuinely would not surprise me i mean if arizona finishes plus one plus two on turnovers you could see them you know like it's 
Um, but like if they finish, if they finish plus one on turnovers, they're definitely covering. Uh, they're definitely going to come back and cover that spread. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll leave it there. Uh, anything else to mention, Rob? No, that'll do it. Okay. Stay tuned. We're going to catch you next week. Lots of games. We're getting to the tail end. Bowl season's coming up here. Don't don't think we don't don't uh, have that on our radar. Um, and next week, send us send us questions. We're happy to answer. We haven't really opened up the mailbag um, recently, so if if you have questions, follow us on Twitter at Twelve Pack Radio or at uh, Beta Rank or Sharp College Football, and um, or you can send us some. Eh, don't worry, I'm not going to check the email. Do do over Twitter. <laughs> yeah. Um. All right, everybody. Well, thanks for tuning in, and we'll catch you next week. <laughs>